And now, our feature presentation. I like it spooky. Welcome to the I Like It Spooky Horror Podcast. I'm Brian. I am Clint, and welcome to our 60th episode, not counting our subcasts. And in honor of this occasion, we will be discussing the 60-year-old 1963 Mario Bava-directed horror anthology, Boris Karloff classic, Black Sabbath. But first, let's get to some horror news. So my news kind of piggybacks off last episode's news where I talked about physical media and how people that collect physical media are the stewards of a generation of movies. And this is making really big news. This is from a KTVH. It's an ABC station in Helena, Montana. So it's news even in Montana. PlayStation is removing all Discovery content which includes shows like Mythbusters and Deadliest Catch. More than a thousand shows will soon be deleted from people's gaming consoles. So if you bought anything that's on Discovery Channel through your PlayStation, it's gone. December 31st, due to licensing issues, it's gone. I was going to ask why. I've heard so many people since this has kind of come to light say that when you buy a movie and it's digital, it's pretty much a long-term rental. At any time, they can say that movie's license is not there, or the company can just close. The service can, I think there was a service within the last 10 years that was like, we're closing. Download your stuff, figure out how to get it on a drive that's out of our system, because it won't be there. Sorry about you. Well, you know, and it goes along with the movie we're discussing here in just a bit, Black Sabbath. You know, I had a hard time finding an English version because it's an Italian film, an English version of the film. And most of the streaming services I went to, it was in Italian. So I actually had to do, well, you found it on Pluto TV, I think, but I had to do like a free trial to screen, I think it was screen picks or something like that. Yeah. Brian's on to something. Physical media, collect it. You'll need room because it's not like digital media where you can keep it on a you know a PlayStation, but it's yours forever. You know, it's never going to be gone. And what if you move to an Xbox? That was always my concern. I'm like, what if I have an Xbox, but I want a PlayStation or I have a PlayStation, then I want an Xbox. And what if my Xbox stops working or, you know, it becomes so old that they don't, they're like, oh, we're shutting off all services for playstation that's that is the one thing i don't like because yeah i work off of playstation 4 and so if it takes a dump i can't watch tv <laughs> you know, that is that is the one thing i miss about cable is having them separate because if something happens i'm screwed so what do you got for news not a lot to talk about because it's a video and i'm going to share this link on the i like a spooky horror podcast facebook page but i came across in the news that youtuber reckless ben he has a 32 minute video up and it's about him getting the infamous mckamey manor shut down brian do you know anything about mckamey manor i think you talked about it is this the one you talked about on a previous episode i talked about it on a on a on a spill the guts, I think I can't remember, but uh, McCamey Manor, it's you know considered part of the haunt industry, but it's ran by a guy named Russ McCamey, and I believe it's in Tennessee, and it's basically where people pay to go get tortured. It's been shunned unanimously by the haunted attraction industry. There was something I, I can't remember the story I covered about a month or two ago, where a senator from Tennessee, I think, got involved and was going to press charges and was looking into it. And then I see this video popped up, and it supposedly has—I haven't had time to watch the whole video. I just watched the intro to get some basic information, but apparently it has you know footage that Russ didn't want anybody to see um, about some of the things that go on there. And so according to the title, Reckless Ben, the YouTuber Reckless Ben is getting or has gotten McCamey Manor shut down. Yeah, I thought it was the like the assistant district attorney of Tennessee got a hold of the footage. It was some politician. Yeah, there was a lot of shady practices going on there that were borderline illegal or possibly even illegal. Yeah, they were looking into 
some legal action and closing that down. Yeah, I honestly don't understand that. Being involved in the haunt industry and, and this genre, I love being scared. I love scaring people, you know, and just having the whole immersive experience and the theatricals of you know, theatrics of it all. But yeah, I never got wanting to actually be, you know, tortured to the point of being not being tortured, you know, like right at that level. I don't need to test myself. There was another haunt, I wanna say it was in New York. God, I can't remember the name of it. It was called like Black Room or black something and it was kind of the same thing but it was a little more controlled and you had like a safe word i don't even know if that's still going but anybody and their mom has always wanted mckamey manor shut down except maybe russ and the people who go there so looks like it's happening it's always weird when they say you got to sign a waiver i mean i get it for legal stuff if somebody was to get injured or something along those lines but we're gonna scare you so bad that you need to sign a waiver well, because now I've actually experienced this before. I've seen people go into convulsions. I've seen people pass out. I've seen people have anxiety attacks take over them. People react really funny to fear. You never quite know what's going to happen. The fight or flight in combination or mixture thereof. Um, I've seen people get into, I've had a guy throw his girlfriend at me before and just leave. That was kind of fun. I caught her by the boobs, not on purpose, but it was fun for me. And I kind of hollered over like, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> you know, the McKamey Manor thing, that's beyond all that. This is where like you get waterboarded and locked in a freaking freezer for hours or whatever. And just, I mean, you know, stuff poured all over you and verbally abused. And I think there was something where like you get your face shoved in like, you know, supposed whether it's, it is or not like floor full used condoms. I mean, just all kinds of crap. Like, why would you want to subject yourself to that. I hear a lot of people say that it's people working through trauma. Again, I don't quite grasp it, but I understand facing trauma and doing extreme things to get through extreme things. But I really never got the impression that McKamey Manor was there as a valuable tool to society to help people. More of this like a uh, creepy, sleazy, get your rocks off kind of guy. What was that show? Fear Factor? Sounds like an episode of Fear Factor. <laughs> like, yeah, where you're putting the tank full of scorpions and eat the worms and all that crap. But what's interesting about McKamey Manor is, um, to the best of my knowledge, and again, I know, but I don't know. So research for yourself. Don't take my word for it. But I don't think it was money. I think what you paid to get in were bags of dog food. And I don't know if it's because he had dogs he wanted to feed them or he donated them to the you know, shelter, or if he used that part of, and the, you had to eat dog food, like, I don't fucking know, but I'm not for sure how he made his money. I'm not even for sure how I make my money anymore because I just, lately all I do is work and I still have, I have less money now than when I worked less. Not sure how that works. Maybe they'll start paying you in dog food. I could use it. I'm hungry. So on this episode of why we are so poor, why are we poor? Very poor. Why are we poor? Very poor. Yeah. So poor. Why? Yeah. Oh, I'm poor. A uh, dog food edition. 2013, 2023, <laughs> fuck 2013, Jesus. We're so poor we don't even know what year it is. I can't afford a calendar. First thing I got was my autographed Last Drive-In Jamboree poster. Got that in the mail the other day. I think it was, what, that was October. Joe Bob and Darcy signed that one. I bought one at the Jamboree, but I couldn't get it signed. So they mailed me another copy and I gifted my old copy to a friend. That's also a Joe Bob fan, you know, mutant fam. Did that show up in the frame and everything? No, I went and bought a frame. I was at Walmart. I was like, I'll buy a frame. And then I got a Terror Vision, my last Terror Vision shipment for the year because they take December off. Vinegar Syndrome takes December off. December for physical media is a month where they just... Take the month off. Don't put anything new out. First movie I got, all jacked up and full of worms. I like the coloring on the cover. Nice slip cover. What year is that? 2022. Really? I would assume that was like one of those late 70s. Looks kind of shot on video-ish. You know, the television's doing a lot of that. Got that one. The head. I thought this was going to be like the Al Snow documentary. <laughs> head, 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 head. Just a head. He asked for love. She asked for blood. Who asked for blood? The head? The head must have, yeah. A sequel to Maniac? Yeah, he has mommy issues. They did a re-release on the WNUF Halloween special, and they had a new slipcover with new artwork. Sorry to own the movie, but I did pick up the slipcover. I, you know, I love the concept of that movie. I love the artwork you just showed me. I tried to watch it, and I fell asleep. It's definitely a I have to watch with friends or a ride around Halloween and enjoy the commercials more than the movie. 
I was just hoping that there was a little more movie. Like it just kind of kept going and going. And I'm like, just throw me a little bit of act, throw me a bone and I'll, I'll stick around. And they never did. If anything, you have to make it towards the end because there's a commercial for a strip club that has a, a Mexican food bar, like a taco bar. And then I bought a new t-shirt. Oh, you know, that's really cool. It's like the whole, let's all go to the lobby. But instead of the soda and the, the popcorn, it's what a knife, an ax, an eyeball and a severed hand. That's cool. I don't have them in here because they're in my car, but I bought a t-shirt for the last picture house and a beanie because I lost my beanie. I'll be wearing those around town. Well, your barber cut your hair pretty short and it's getting cold out, so you need your beanie. Yeah, I need something to cover this massive head. The girl's like, uh, what size? And I was like, extra large. And she's like, oh, okay. And I was like, that's the size of my head. T-shirt, I need an extra large too. <laughs> <laughs> This all came in the mail, so other than the last picture house stuff, I haven't really bought anything. This is all old purchases. Old purchases are good, because that means less money's going out. It's kind of nice that way. You know, it just shows up at the front door in a box or in a package. Yeah, make sure you thank your friendly UPS guy this time of year. And all the other delivery people, too. Yeah, we have a care package thing out on the front porch with, like, fruit snacks and um, granola bars and whatever that is. Tiffany takes care of it. Water usually is in there. We love you people. We really do appreciate it. Yeah, because you guys are going. I was like, man, this. I see there's a lady that does UPS when we take Finley to school in the morning. I'm like, she's always going. Always going. Always going. I don't know if I could do that all day, every day. Yeah, you just get used to it after a while. What about you? Did you buy anything? More green paint? Christmas presents and paint. Yep, that's about it. I did, however, pick up one thing. This is kind of weird. And no, you're not going to find this anywhere. This is um, a comic. It's like an underground horror comic from the early 70s. It's titled Gory Stories Quarterly. The comic art inside kind of looks very Garfieldish, but it's cool. It's got a lot of the fun mock ads for like shrunken heads and other weird shit. You know what I mean? I don't know. It was just fun. I saw it at a vintage store near me and was like, oh my God, I got to have this. That also reminded me that I need to get down on Nostalgia Inc. and get my latest uh, issue of Creep Show, which I think there's an additional Christmas one shot comic for Creep Show that came out this time also. I got to get down there and see what's going on, but that is it. Christmas presents and paint and so i will gladly gladly accept the dog food then you can eat wonder what kind it would be i guess whatever they give you i don't care i'm not beggars can't be choosers hopefully it's some canned stuff i don't know i might just eat this fucking comic i get some fiber that bad you haven't had time to eat <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> start chewing on the railing all i know is is you know christmas time being here and a lot of money getting shelled out and not really having the the means or time to buy anything cool for the collection or anything like that makes me really wish I had some extra cash. So maybe we should take it to a sponsor. The Global Community for Podcasts, Good Pods, is a fast-growing, award-winning free podcast player and discovery app where you can listen to, discover, and share all your favorite podcasts and shows. Available on iPhone and Android app stores or at goodpods.com, it is the place to follow your friends, discover new podcasts, track your podcast listens, and bookmark new podcasts for later. Sign up today for your free account at goodpods.com. So now that we've heard from our sponsor, it's time for our movie. In this episode, the 60th episode of the I Like It Spooky Horror Podcast, 60th feature episode. I don't even know. What do we have, like? Almost 100, 200. It's somewhere around the 200 mark if you count everything, all the subcasts. and. No wonder we don't have time to do anything but eat dog food. <laughs> right. We're, we're talking about the 1963 classic, Black Sabbath. This is the night when fear and horror walk hand in hand. This is Black Sabbath. This is a first time watch for me. Surprise. Are you serious? You've never seen this movie? No, I thought I was like, oh, I've seen this. I was like, oh, I've seen it. It's yeah, I've seen. No, put it on. I was like, I think I've seen this. Maybe I've seen like the opening for it. I was like, no, never seen it. Well, hopefully we find out it was a treat for you because this Mario Bava directed film is a horror anthology masterclass that is responsible for influencing filmmakers and musicians. You want a little synopsis? It's a little. There's not much to say. I mean, it's Boris Karloff hosts a trio of horror stories concerning the stock call girl, a stock call girl. The, I mean, she can be the stock call girl. She is very attractive. A vampire-like monster who preys on his family 
and a nurse who is haunted by her ring's rightful owner. Which is my favorite of the three, by far. We had talked about this prior to the recording, or during the recording, but they're not. our listeners aren't going to hear it. Pull back the curtains. That was the last episode. But the movie is not how what I watched, it was meant to be viewed. They moved the stories around. They edited a bunch of stuff out. I liked it, but I feel like it could have been better if it would have been the way it was supposed to be. The only thing I saw that got moved was, so when American International Pictures got a hold of it, they released an alternate version, and it was in English. Uh, and the stories uh, in this version are different in order. Same same three stories, but they, they moved the order around, which I don't understand why that mattered. But I found out that, um, well, of course, and in this alternate alternative version, the Boris Karloff hosting sessions in between was different. They also switched up the second story, which is, uh, what, the telephone? They took out a lot of the lesbianism and a lot of the prostitution and then tried to force in this more supernatural um, element, which I don't think came across really well. Was there, is there more that they changed that I'm missing? Or That's all I read that they changed but that's would probably make the second story so much better that you don't think it's a ghost i don't know i got my notes in order of the one that i watched so you watched the one that i watched from american international and yeah that was the only one i could find that was in english well you know just a minute ago i mentioned that uh, this movie has influenced filmmakers and musicians can you take a guess at which band this movie influenced could it be black sabbath it's black sabbath Gathered in their masses, just like witches at black masses. For a minute, I thought it was the Beatles. No, it wasn't. No, no, the Beatles. Uh, I don't know. You play the records backwards, and Paul is dead with the Beatles. You know what I mean? They were all secretive about their devil worshiping, but Black Sabbath was like, "Here we are. We worship the devil, and it is all in honor of Mario Bava." Black Sabbath, uh, for those who don't know, was originally named Earth. And they saw this film on the marquee of a theater across the street. And there were all these people. There were more people in line to see this movie at the theater across the street than to see their gig. And so they were like, you know what? Horror sells tickets. We're going to change our name. Black Sabbath was born. Yeah, like sat around. I was like, what can we change it to? They had all these names. And they're like, how about just Black Sabbath? Okay. And back then, no one was like, no, you can't do that. We licensed that. You can't do that. We, today, there would be like 14 million legal injunctions and all that good stuff. It's Yeah, it'd be all messed up. So do you know what uh, what filmmaker, one of the many that this film influenced? Well, I've seen Tarantino. I mean, it's probably everyone that's come along that's done anything that's remotely horror related. James Wan. So do you remember we covered Dead Silence way back? And um, on the, the DVD that I had, it has like the behind the scenes commentary and stuff. And James is interviewed and he was trying to make Dead Silence to be kind of this old creepy. He didn't say specifically Mario Bava Black Sabbath film, but he brought up Mario Bava's name as an influence. And uh, you can see it a lot in the lighting of this movie and the lighting of dead silence. Uh, there's some tribute there. I thought you were going to say you could see it a lot in that dead woman's face. And then Mary from dead silence wasn't a mannequin, the dummy. Well, yeah, Mary Shaw, Mary Shaw was the villain in dead silence, but yeah, the, the mannequin and this girl in this part of the movie have the same face. He just has that like creepy though. When you first see the deceased woman, and she was like a medium in the story, it's fucking frightening, but it's also mesmerizing. You can't take your eyes off of her. And I think it's because her eyes are so big and she's got the bacon, baked in kind of sinister smile expressions, you know, and it's just truly fucking terrifying. Yeah, this one started out, and I don't get like creeped out very often. Just the her face and the dogs were like walking up and down the hall and the one... Our bigger dog came down the hall and when something happened and I was like, this is fucking creepy. You know what I like? So, okay. I, most of the film, especially A Drop of Water, which is the name of this one, which with the American International Pictures version is the first story. In the original version, it's the last story. Save the best for last. That's kind of how I view it. But I mean, it's just filled. It has like bold contrast, you know, almost kind of like comic book colors. And Drop of Water, they also utilize a lot of wide shots and their sets are so full. It leaves you looking and waiting for something to happen outside of the action in those like lingering established shots. And I think he was able to create all this 
like eerie tension like you're talking about brian just in the way he composed the shots because there was so much going on in the background and to the side or so much to look at your eyes were forced there and you were waiting to see something creepy happen that wasn't in the forefront at one point her hands that's all you see almost is her hands coming to choke the girl but she's not really there is that the way i understood it even that like like is that person there is it a ghost? Is she really back from the grave? Like it leaves so much to interpretation too. Like you could five different people could watch it and be like, oh no, I she's alive or she's dead or she's a zombie or she's a ghost or she's some spirit. I guess we should maybe like kind of I don't know explain the the story to everybody because we're kind of so the first one a drop of water an elderly medium dies. Her nurse gets called in and she prepares her, you know, puts like a a nice dress on her and prepares her for her funeral. And this is like in the early 1900s. As the woman, the nurse is doing that, she notices this beautiful blue like sapphire ring and steals it from the woman. And then, of course, the woman haunts her because she wants her ring back. And then, yeah, by, by the end of the film, or I'm sorry, the end of that segment, the dead medium's ghost is choking the nurse. But then in reality, the nurse you see is has choked herself out. And kind of then when she's dead, has that same baked in expression that the dead medium has. So then it's like, did, did the dead medium steal that ring from somebody? Is that why she's dead? And then, of course, what I loved about it was the story continues because at the very end, you find the woman who is the like apartment suit, the building superintendent of where the nurse lived. She stole the ring. They don't say she stole the ring, but they're like, oh, it looks like they're they're inspecting the dead body of the nurse who is to them choked herself out and was like, oh, look at that scar on her ring or on her finger. Someone must have ripped something off there. And you see the superintendent kind of looking around like, I don't know what's going on. So the story is just going to continue. See, I didn't know if that meant that someone else took the ring off of her or if the spirit of the dead woman took the ring. But again, left open to interpretation. Like- left open to interpretation. Yeah. And that's one of the things, if you don't tell me the whole story, it's almost better. Sometimes I want to know the whole story, but sometimes I'm just like, oh, I don't know everything. I could watch it again and maybe get a different feeling out of it if I'm in a different mindset. Well, you never know. I mean, Mario Bava, his his idea could have been that one of the dead medium's cats stole the ring and ate it or something, you know? And then he's going to, li- well, I don't know if he's probably not still alive, but he's going to listen to this podcast and be like, shit, that's a good idea. It was the superintendent who stole the ring. Yeah, I wish I would have thought of that. Being in a foreign language Sometimes some words get shuffled because, you know, there's not the same word in English. You know, it doesn't translate well or there's no way to translate it. So one or two words could get changed and it changes the whole meaning of the movie. So who knows? I mean, they may have been like, no, we didn't mean any of that. Them damn English people. I know, too, and I, th- this might be because of my fear of old dead women, but uh, <laughs> did I thought that the uh, the dead medium's face resembled the mask that was in the last film we covered, Curtains. I mean, not they, they weren't spot on, but it just looked like they, they were very similar. You ever people ask you, like, what are you scared of, Clint? And you're like, old dead women. They're like, oh, not heights. And you're like, no, sharks, no, death, no, no, old dead women. <laughs> yeah, no, I always say I'm afraid. My, my three greatest fears are failure, sharks, and old dead women. They're just old, creepy women. Old, yeah. creepy women. <laughs> old, creepy women. So did you notice that I think throughout this whole movie, I first saw it in this first segment, A Drop of Water, that I don't think they were working on sets with heat. You could see their breath, you know, with the dialogue exchanges. And that kind of made sense in the last story about the vampires that we'll get to in a minute. But, you know, they were in this building, you know, I don't know, it was an old creepy mansion. So, but yeah, you could see their breath. They had to have been freezing cold. And that's before they knew about the ice cube trick, huh? Yeah, (laughs) yep. I also think that this film influenced Sam Raimi because uh, in drop the drop of water segment, when the nurse, after she steals the ring, she goes back to her apartment. And that's when the haunting kind of starts to happen. And of course, it intensifies as the story goes on. Uh, but the power goes out at one point. And when the power goes out, she is just like, she's surrounded by all these like disembodied sound effects. And it was sounded like, you know, the woman laughing and cats. And it just got really loud and crazy. And then it just stopped. And it made me think of Evil Dead 2, when Ash, all the furniture and the deer head was laughing at him. I really do think that Sam Raimi must have been influenced by this. Then when you get to the second story, the telephone, there's the Dead by Dawn line in the second one, the telephone. Which I wasn't a fan of the telephone. I don't I don't know about you. No, it dragged on a little too long. Did not have enough story to it with the stuff that was taken out. I mean, maybe that changes the whole story. I mean, and we've seen it. 
well, at that point, we hadn't seen in a million times, but, you know, it's the phones ringing, voice on the other end is somebody that's stalking the female, and she's scared, and she can't get help from anybody, or she, I don't think she really asked for help until towards the end. Yeah, when she called the, the other woman. It would have been cool if the first, well, because they couldn't do this because they switched it around, but, like, if the nurse lived in the same building as this lady... And the super was the same. You know what I mean? That would have been like a cool tie through, but they couldn't because. I like that. That makes me think because, again, you you said it and I saw it when I was looking up stuff on the uh, Internet Movie Database that this film influenced Quentin Tarantino with Pulp Fiction. And that's something he did a lot in his movies, whereas people would pass each other, bump into each other. So you knew it was the same universe and just kind of added this layer to it. Yeah, that would have been cool because they're. They're completely different stories. They're completely different time periods. So I don't know if that would have worked. You know, you could alter some of the story and change that. But also the the visual, the telephone was shot just as well, but it didn't have that hyper stylized color. It was very natural lighting, all contained within one set, one apartment. Yeah, you could have tied all three of these and you could have had it. It's different times, but you could have had the super and the drop of water. Was that an older film then or that would have been newer. That was set in the 1900s. And then the telephone, I mean, was, it looked to me about, you know. Time 60. Present for the, yeah, 63, yeah, present for when it was shot. So you could have had the super be Miss Johnson. Oh, and then you could write it in where, oh, Miss Johnson. She's older now or something. Or she's, it's her child. Oh, Miss Johnson was my mother. Call me Elizabeth. And then you could have had the last one tied into the first one by, you know, she's a rich old medium. You could have put something from that time period that you would see that was prominent in the movie, like a like a family portrait or something that would tie into that last story. Since the last story is about vampires, the super was a vampire, and that's why she remains young throughout all three of them. Black Sabbath, in my opinion, is a great film. I don't think it needs a remake or a reboot, but man, we just got a hell of a story for if you know anybody wants to. It will take 10% in a bag of dog food. I want a can, but yeah. I thought the facts about the telephone were actually more interesting than the actual story. And um, I'm sure you saw this too, Brian, but it was the first, and I figured you'd appreciate this, but it was the first Italian thriller to be shot in color. And it's one of the earliest examples of the giallo subgenre that, in my opinion, heavily influences the modern American slasher market that, that we enjoy. So this is, in essence, kind of the, the granddaddy of all slashers, even though it's not really a slasher. 1963, so yeah, it'd be super early. Which is weird. Yeah, there's a lot of films still in this time period that are black and white, right? Like, that's pretty early for, uh, and for it to look that good, it looks great. This whole film is, whole film is beautiful. There's shit now that's recorded, you're like, oh, what the, what'd they shoot that on? In the story, they tried to, we just found out, you know, AIP tried to put that supernatural element in. So the only thing that's supernatural really about this film is when the letter she gets stop motion animation kind of writes itself and it's from Frank to the girl, like I'm coming to get you or I forget what it said. But other than that, I had no idea, even up to the end, you know, then when Frank shows up at the end and kills the, strangles the one girl and stabs the other one or whatever happens there, I forget. I thought it was real. You see him peeking through the window outside. Yeah, he's calling on the telephone, but what's supernatural about that? So it's just so weird. And I have no idea why she put the handkerchief or the panties or whatever it was that she put on the door lock. Remember, she was like frantically looking around and then like all of a sudden she's like, oh, my God, and runs over and puts this white piece of cloth on the door lock. Like, And then she felt better for a minute. Like, what the fuck was that? Could he like see through? I don't even know. Because it wasn't a peephole. It was one of the damn deadbolts. Younger generation probably like, well, that telephone supernatural. You can't do that. But yeah, there's nothing... Especially when he shows up at the end, you're like, he's a real person. What What's so supernatural about it? He's back from where? They thought he was dead. They thought he was dead, so he's not really dead. And who was Frank? Was that like her ex-husband? Was that her pimp? Who was Frank? I got the impression, and again, everything with this is open for interpretation, especially with this one. I got the impression that Frank, and then I forget their names, but the two women were, um, it was like a bank heist. Like maybe they were criminals and they knocked over jewelry stores or something. That's kind of what I got. And then for whatever reason, the the one, the main actress turned him in and he had gotten executed or something. Just based off the dialogue, that's kind of what I pieced together. Then, so he was executed, but he showed up from beyond the grave to 
take his revenge, but he looked as real as you or I. Yeah, there was nothing ghostly about him. Not not a fan. And then, like I say, this one, as opposed, is in stark contrast to the first one, Drop of Water, because it's really natural. But then we get into the last story, the, the Wordlock or Ver- Vertilock, and you get back into that punched up color contrast. And then we also get away from the indoor sets, and there's a lot of uh, landscape and beautiful countryside because it was about Russian vampires. Yeah, and I had to look that up. I was like, is this a real thing? It is. It's Russian folklore that these vampires would feed on their whole family. The second story was white, like overly white. Every piece of clothing I felt like was white. It was very clean. Yeah, where it's like, oh, my eyes kind of hurt from this. Because you go from the the first one's dark, but there's a lot of reds and greens and purples and yellows, and it's beautiful. And then the next one's just white, like right in your face. And then again, you go back to the last one, and it's dark again. Plus, in the first one, uh, I wanted to say this earlier, and I forgot. I'm glad you brought that up. The first one, there's a lot of blinking lights and flashing lights. The lights almost played a character the lighting and, and their movement almost played a character in a drop of water and then yeah you get to the telephone like you're saying it's it's vanilla but now like you say those colors come back in this last one the, is it wordalock or verdalock verdlack i think it's verdlack it's spelled wordlock but it's I just with the w so those colors come back but they're more established and it makes sense they're not flashing because this is supposed to be kind of like what pre-modern era they're living in villages in the mountains and shit but but boris karloff who up to this point has been hosting he's been on hosting duty and introducing the segments he has a lead role in this where he's the 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 father of this family he looks and is his acting is fucking amazing my favorite one is a drop in water i don't know what you think but this is my second favorite i there was some plot points that i didn't really like but the acting in this third one was from the entire cast was superb, especially Boris Karloff. Yeah, when I got to this one, I was like, God, how much, how can there be this much movie left? Because watching it on Pluto, there's commercials and you can kind of see when the, as they march out. And I was like, this is going to be long. And it was too long for my liking. It, it kind of dragged at some point. So I was like, okay. Let's, the third story. Yeah, the third story. You know, I was like, let's get to it. I get the idea of what's going on. But yeah, it looks great. It's well acted. I've got the same thing. It's it's a little slow paced. It's kind of boring. It's a little predictable. The story is. It's got some ridiculous plot points, especially towards the end, really. Actually, the story is kind of cool up until the end. And there's some ridiculous plot points that looked like just to wrap it up, you know. But like I said, it's just very well acted. Even the kid, top to bottom, very well acted. So this father goes out to hunt this Russian vampire. He's been gone for five days. He comes home. And he says, he says, if I'm not back by 10 o'clock or something on the fifth day and you see me, that means I'm going to be a, a Vertilac. I'm a vampire. Kill me. Yeah. So supposedly he kills it, but he's a vampire. He showed up just after the, the stroke of 10. So he slowly kills his family and feeds on them because that's what those vampires do. The brother and the sister-in-law fall in love. I that was I was like, what's going on with this part of the story? Like, well, they were a married couple. I missed that. I was like, is this the married couple or is this the brother that? Yeah, there was two brothers, and the one had the wife and the kid, and then there was the sister, the blonde sister, and then of course you interject this like Russian count, young Russian prince who looked like he's on the cover of one of those romance novels my mom read when I was a kid, you know, and Fabio. He wasn't. He didn't look like Fabio, but attractive man, and um, he is riding through the countryside and comes across the house and stays the night. And he ends up. Do they end up killing the? Vampire? Well, no. So, well, first of all, the dynamics between the family, the fact that Boris Karloff as the, you know, the, the father of this family, just watching the, the control he had over them and putting yourself in the mindset of those old school values of don't question me and things like that. Like those types of relationships would not fly in today's society, you know, but it's just really interesting the tension that was built between the family and everything. And then of course he slowly, I think he steals the boy and kills the boy and they bury the boy and the boy comes back. He kills his one son. And yeah, so throughout the movie, they just keep killing and turning each other into vampires until the prince that came along grabs the blonde sister and they take off on horseback to escape. And this is where I, I thought that the dumb plot points came into place. They escape. They know what's going on, what they're dealing with, and they run for the hills. And then what do they do? They stop at this decrepit castle because it's almost daylight and we need to catch a nap. And she's, of course, distraught and crying. And he's like, what's wrong? Like, he didn't understand what was wrong. And I'm like, you just, her family just got turned into vampires and murdered. You brought her to this 
fucking drafty ass decrepit castle found some hay in a corner next to a skeleton and said here here's your bed for the night of course she's gonna be upset you know (laughs) and then you see boris karloff on horseback ride after them there's a shot of him outside in the countryside going in their general direction and like the the ruins of the castle they're at is up in the hill in the background and it was the worst day for night shot i'd ever seen because it was dark out and then that scene it's like you could damn near see the sun it was insane so those kind of vampires can go out in the daylight so it's a prequel to twilight it's a prequel to pet cemetery kind of because you know they're burying the family and they're coming back it's like every movie maybe a prequel to blade if they're daywalkers no i don't know we're, we're just fucking around but but yeah so to answer your question boris karloff and the rest of his clan who he has turned into vampires they surround the blonde sister and kind of like mind control her. And then you don't know if she's bitten or not. You you know she is, but you don't know. They take her back to the house. The prince goes back to the house to get her. She's a vampire. She bites him. End of story. And then this is what was really weird is the story ended. And maybe it's not like this in the Italian version. In the AIP version you and I watched, she bites the prince. End of story. Boom, you cut to credits, and it's this big band music that didn't fit the tone of the movie, and, you, and the credits are only like 30 seconds long or a minute long, and then you're done. And it's like, what? The, it's so jarring. What the fuck just happened, you know? And then like in the corner on Pluto, it's like, mine switched to the Godzilla channel. I was like, oh, Rodon's on after this? And I was like, wait a minute. Uh, King of all monsters. I was like, what the fuck? That's a weird combo. It switched a channel. I was like, what the hell? Usually it goes to like the next movie. I thought it would go to the next movie. It changed to the channel. I'm surprised it didn't go to another Italian film. Or so this is Black Sabbath. Before this film, Mario Bava made um, Black Sunday with uh, was it Daniel Steele was the actress in that. So although this isn't a sequel, he kind of got the green light from the studio with the success of Black Sunday, which is the same kind of tone. It's not an anthology, but the same kind of tone of film. He got the green light to do this. Can we watch Black Sunday? Have you seen Black Sunday? Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought this was at first. I was like, oh, I've seen this. And I was like, oh, I haven't. I I enjoyed Black Sunday a lot more than this. Not that I didn't like this, but I think Black Sunday was a lot better. That's tough. I think I think they're about the same, but Drop of Water for me in Black Sabbath sets it apart. I would love to see a feature of that and some backstory there, which I don't know if that would fuck up the story, but I, I'd love to see some more done with that. Yeah, you'd have to change the name. You know, you can't call it a drop of water, shape of water, the ring. I don't know. You'd have to. I mean, you could call it a drop of water. What was neat, too, is the telephone. It's about a telephone. The, the Vertilac, which is a vampire. It's about vampires. Drop of water really has nothing to do with a drop of water other than for the fact that she hears water dripping from the sink. And then as she is haunted by the dead medium, that is one of the sound effects that increases and haunts her. God, I love that story. That was, I rated each one individually just for fun. And it, yeah, that was the highest rated one by far. That lady, God. Fix her teeth. Like, put her fucking dentures back up in there. They're hanging out. Like, did you ever have a family member that had dentures when you were a kid? And they're like, look what I could do. And they always flip their fucking teeth out or, like, hang them out. Or No, but so my ex-wife, her, her father wore dentures, and I never knew it. For years, I just never fucking knew it. And then I was over there one time for something, and I can't remember how it, but I came across it. But he pops his fucking teeth out to clean him or something, and I was like, "Whoa, what the fuck is going on?" You know, yeah. <laughs> that bothered me. I was like, "Put her, push him back up there. Come on, some fucking denture paste on there and get him back in there." Black Sabbath as a whole, Brian. This is our sixtieth episode. This movie is sixty years old. You wanted to do something like this when we did our fiftieth episode, but that was about the time that we recorded with Sylvia Kaminer the director to follow her. And then we had to put that on hold. And so we chose another movie. What do you rate the overall movie? I didn't rate each individual one, but I will on the fly. What did you, what did you rate the overall movie? Black Sabbath, also known as the three faces of fear. Did you have that down in your notes? I saw it. I didn't write it down, but yeah, I kind of like that with the band name being black Sabbath. It's cool. But I think if it wasn't for that, I would like the three faces of fear, maybe a little bit better. I gave it a seven out of 10, Put your dentures back in your fucking mouth. <laughs> Seven out of ten tube, tubes of denture cream? Yeah, denture cream. What is it? Pre- Effordent? No, that's what you use to clean them. Fuck, I don't know. We need a bag of dog food, a can of dog food, and some denture adhesive. Yes, please. What about you? I went eight out of ten water drops. I love this movie. It's influential. It has all the hallmarks of 
how I rate films personally, which isn't in line with everybody else, and that's fine, but of being really high. It's didn't enjoy the confusion of the story of the second one. I think that was more of a crime story, and they just tried to make it a, a supernatural story. Um, and again, the third one, which I enjoyed the acting and the dynamics and the lighting and the look, it just it had some really silly plot points and kind of rushed towards the end. So it was almost, it was slow pace. And then it was like, Oh shit, we got to hurry up and get this done. So uh, I'd love to give it a higher rating, but, but eight, out of, eight out of 10 water drops. Yeah. I rated the first one, a nine out of 10, the first story. And then the other two, I gave a six out of 10. There was just not enough in either of those that to rate them higher, lacking a little bit. I'd go 10 out of 10 on water drops on a drop of water. Telephone, I'd probably go five. Again, that's average. So if it's on, I'm going to watch it because it's it's interesting. It's well shot. It's well acted. It's just the overall product is off the mark. And the third one, gosh, I don't know. I'd probably do about a seven. Yeah, somewhere around there. I enjoy it. And Boris Karloff, again, you know, besides the, the great dynamics of everybody, Boris Karloff, he's fucking amazing. Just amazing. His presence and his, his dialogue, the way he delivers his dialogue. Just amazing. One, the whole family. Nobody fucking figured it out, but the dog sure fucking did. Really? And then he made him shoot the dog. He, he's like, it's your favorite dog. He did not give a shit. Yeah, the dog knew. Nobody else caught on. They knew, but they didn't want to admit it. It was because they were so afraid of his, like, authoritism. Authority. How do you say that? His authority. Now they have to live fucking forever. Forever with him. And without a dog. See, they don't need the dog food. Well, no, we do. You know what else is going to live forever? What's that? Our podcast network, the PFPN. So we should hear from them. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. So now that we've heard from our podcast network, it's time for This Day in Horror History. This episode in horror history, whatever. I'm going to call it this day in horror history from now forward. Why don't we just call it horror history? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Horror history. A date which will live in infamy. So December 25th. So Christmas Day. Three birthdays on Christmas Day. 1924, we get Rod Serling, writer and creator of The Twilight Zone and Night Gallery. It's like Christmas Day is like the gift that keeps on giving. Because in 1928, we get Dick Miller. You know, Bucket of Blood, Gremlins, The Howling, Chopping Mall, and so much more. Everything else. <laughs> Dick Miller's been in so many films. And he's great in all of them. Even if he's only in it for five minutes. Two minutes. Rock and Roll High School is a good example. He showed up at the very end. He had two minutes of screen time as like the police chief or something like that. And he stole the fucking scene there too. Um, and then in 1942, Sissy Spacek, who played, you know, the title role in Carrie is born. She was in a lot of other stuff, but I mean, she's always going to be Carrie. That's Christmas Day. Those people were all born on Christmas Day. Yeah, I, I don't want to upset our listeners who believe otherwise, but there's another birthday you're missing. That happened happened today on Christmas Day. Yeah, uh, it's uh, wasn't wasn't Jesus born on Christmas Day? Yeah, he's not in any scary movies though, is he? I don't know. I've seen the Last Temptation of Christ. Oh yeah, and, or no no no. Yeah, I've seen that too. But the Passion, that's the one Mel Gibson did, right? Have you seen that? Have you seen that movie? No. It when he gets whipped, it is scary. It's um, I mean, it's more cringy, you know. But they, it, it, it's it's gory. Yeah. If we're talking religion, one of the stories I thought about covering for the news segment is uh, at the Capitol in Iowa. I think Iowa City is the capital of Iowa. There is some scuttle about this. They said demon, but it's not really a demon. The Satanic Temple is a religious group, or they're just a group, I gather. And they petitioned or said to the state, 
well, if you can have a Christmas tree in the state capitol, then we should be allowed to put something up of our own. So they have a statue that's kind of like a glass-covered goat head, and it's got a long red cape, and they have their symbol, which is a pentagon, you know, some kind of star, and then they have some other stuff there. So there's some, you know, people upset about it, and the guy was like, well, first off, just because our name is Satanic Temple, we do not worship Satan. We do not believe in Satan. We fight for abortion rights and fight against hate groups. That's what we do. We're, you know, we just, it just happens to be our name of our church or whatever group it is, is the Satanic Temple. Um, so there's a lot of people saying, oh, it's evil in Iowa. And he's like, do you get a Christmas tree? We're a religion. We're a group. We have a right because it's America to have our religious freedom. Look, though, not, not that I really give a shit, but we don't worship Satan. Just the name of our religion is the Satanic t- Temple. Okay. Serious question. Do you get people, since you're, you know, we are both obviously into horror and not just our love of movies, but, you know, things we do outside of that. Do people come up to you and ever, like, think that you are a devil worshiper or just into all this dark, crazy shit? Yeah, I, it kind of goes with the territory, I feel like. You know, people are just like, oh, you're, you like watching movies. And I try to keep it as separate as possible because I work for a Catholic healthcare organization. So every room I go into is there's a crucifix. We pray before every meeting and all that stuff. And so, yeah, I get it sometimes. It's just crazy to me how people outside of our world view it as very black and white. And this is, I don't know, this is kind of a funny story. But so when my dad was still alive, my grandmother, his mother passed away. And him and I were at the, the service and at the viewing. And I was just, you know, I wasn't happy. I wasn't, I was sad and just kind of like standing in the back of the room. And you know, I went up and saw grandma, touched grandma, talked to grandma and all that stuff. And then I just kind of went to the back of the room and dad could tell I was like in the best spirit. So he comes up, he says, you okay or whatever. And I go, yeah, I was like, you know, freaking grandma's dead and she's over there. And he looks at me, my dad, I wish you could have known him. He says, well, what? He says, you're in all this kind of shit, aren't you? And I'm like, Jesus, dad, no. your mom's dead over there. What are you talking about? I'm excited because I'm in a room with a corpse. Come on now. It's just funny sometimes how people, I had a sweater. I wore, I wear black every day to work, black scrubs every day for 10 years. I think one day that earlier in this year, I wore a purple Viking shirt for like a half a day. And then I was like, this is not working. I have to go change my clothes. And then on Friday, I wore a Christmas sweater. I had like, you know, red Christmas trees and presents. And then on the front, it said, only Santa can judge me. And I wore it down like to the another area of the office. And they're like, well, that's not true. And I was like, it's just a fucking. It's a joke. It's levity. levity. And I was like, and Santa brings my presents. So if he wants to judge me, he can. Like, yeah, it's just a joke. Calm down. It's not that serious. Well, this, this part of the conversation ties into something I was thinking about. I just want to let people know that Brian and I are not Satanists, and that's not why we're covering a movie called Black Sabbath on Christmas, because technically this releases Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, I think. Is it Eve? I don't know when we're actually going to do it, but... No, I'm not a Satanist. Well, I just totally took a bag of coal and bashed your horror history segment, so sorry about that. Go ahead. What else you, what else, what else you got? Satanism has a huge part in horror history, right? Like, yeah. So, uh, the day after Christmas in 1956, we get Rodon. So, Rodon's back in 1973, the day after Christmas, The Exorcist was released. Was it really? That was the release date? That That's what I, I was like, really? So, I looked, I was like, what the f- it was. I mean, unless they got it wrong and I couldn't find that it was, but yeah, I was like, that's a weird day for all the Satanists to go to the movies. I wonder if he wanted to get it released on Christmas and the studios were like, no, absolutely not. We'll give you the day after. Wow. So we accomplished something with this episode that William Freakin couldn't do. Yeah. (laughs) And then in 1980, Maniac, which is, I mean, that's fun. Maniac's fun. I love that movie and the remake. And then there's not really much until January 6th. You get a 1978 coma. You ever seen that one? Mm, Doesn't ring a bell. The poster is like, I want to watch this movie now. Well, the poster for Curtains was good too. but Well, yeah. And then in uh, 2006, one of your favorite directors, we get Hostel. <sighs> Eli Roth. <laughs> I saw something because even though I, I've taken some time off with Spill the Guts, and again, I apologize for everybody who enjoyed listening to it. I just crazy stuff going on. It's at a point where I just had to give on something but don't worry it's coming back soon and i've got a a special treat idea for a lead-in but i'm saving all these news stories still and um 
I saw that he's going to be returning to Hostel, which I don't hate, and Cabin Fever. And I was like, you know, it's, that's the seventh trumpet talking about religion. Eli Roth doing another Cabin Fever movie is the seventh trumpet. Fucking hell is going to open up and swallow us all. Oh, God. Is that like a Dante's Inferno for you? The seven levels of Eli Roth movies? <laughs> yeah, and that's at the yeah. bottom, right? The seventh was the worst? Yeah. 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 Cabin Fever. Is a, you have to do Thanksgiving, which was... That's like the first one. And Green Inferno. Yeah, Thanksgiving. You know, I I don't remember what I rated it. I think a five maybe or a six, but it, it wasn't terrible. I saw it twice. I have to watch it a third time now to see the Black Christmas actress from Curtains. Cabin Fever. Light me on fire. Hey, guess what I want for Christmas? Guess what I found I guess what I found out I can get. I'm gonna I'm gonna get this. Speaking about lighting shit on fire. A fucking flamethrower. What are you going to do with it? Burn things. So my practical my practical use for the flamethrower is I can go around and instead of shoveling snow, I just burn the snow off. Yeah, you can do other stuff. You can burn stuff with it. Yeah, and then uh, 2012, we get The Devil Inside. That's it. There, yeah, there was not a lot of movies in this time period, which, I mean, makes sense. It's Christmas time. Well, and like we talked about, I think when we covered the Thanksgiving, when we covered Thanksgiving, so a couple episodes back, that um, we haven't seen over the years a whole lot of Christmas horror. It's been hit or miss, you know, and then last year there was there was Violent Night, which we forgot to bring up. I remember when we were talking about that, which isn't really horror, but and then last year, you know, 2022, Violent Night came out and you saw the, a couple more Christmas horror. This year, everywhere you turn, what It's a Wonderful Knife pops to mind. And I mean, there's just a slew of Christmas horror movies right now. Not sure any of them are good. No, it's all, you know, direct to streaming and pet projects and stuff. But Yeah, a lot of people were excited for It's a Wonderful Knife. And then I've had friends were like, no, not good. I think with that stuff, I think the the excitement behind the idea of some of these projects and just the, the fun aspect of it are outweighing the actual craftsmanship, maybe, of the, you know what I mean? People are excited about the ideas, but they need, you need to take the time and make a good movie and have a good story also. Godzilla minus one is the highest grossing live action foreign language film of all time now or something along those lines. Didn't you say that's story driven as opposed to monster driven? Very much so. I mean, Godzilla's only in it maybe 10, 15 minutes out of two hours. The same things I love about that movie I hate about the original Halloween. How weird is that? That is weird. I thought that last night. You have issues. Did you like sit down and figure that out and think to yourself, what in the fuck is going on? No, I I have a counselor, you know, session next month. Maybe I'll ask her. So on this episode of what the fuck is going on, I thought about changing it to Nothing, but when I get back to this, I'll have fucking 18 stories to tell. Because I think last episode, I was like, I don't have anything. And then I've been so damn busy for the last two weeks that I haven't had time to do much other than what I was going to do. So tell us what you have been doing. Well, let's see. We did go see Godzilla Minus One. So I guess that's not really what's going on, but we did go see that. We had the premiere and grand opening of The Last Picture House. That was on uh, December 9th. So got there about, I got there about four o'clock, got a drink, started talking to people, talking to the staff. I saw the new Iron Claw movie, um, which is the most depressing movie I've maybe seen in my entire fucking life. Hmm. I knew some of the story, but I was just like, oh my God. For those listening who don't know, Iron Claw is um, a, a mockumentary, or not a mockumentary, it's a... What do you call that? Were they a docudrama? I don't know. It's yeah, there you go. Yeah. Something like that about the Von Erics, the pro wrestling family, the Von Erics and all the tragedy that befell them. I had to piss the whole movie, but I'm like, if I go, something's going to happen. And so I never went. I had to pee for two hours and shit still happened. I should have just went to the bathroom and I knew some of the story, but I didn't know all the story. You would have got back and like, what happened? What would I miss? And someone would go, oh, someone died. Godzilla minus one. To me, a great movie that just happens to have Godzilla in it. I think it would be really hard for a casual fan to walk into Iron Claw and enjoy it. If you're a wrestling fan, you will enjoy it. But just a, hey, you ever watch wrestling? I watched it when I was a kid, you know, or I catch it every so. My brother loves it. I don't know that they'll enjoy it, but it's because it's just so heavy. There's like no hope. It's kind of like the um, Walking Dead syndrome. You ever heard about that? 
how like The Walking Dead, so many people stopped watching it because it was just tragedy after tragedy after death after death. And people were like, I can't do this every week. Right. A lot of people talked more about how the war between the, you know, Rick's group and the Saviors, Alexandria and the Saviors just dragged on for what, two, three seasons. But I've heard that theory also. Yeah. So that's why Iron Claw was just depressing with no end in sight. I God, I can't even remember what else we did. I mean, we did an Orpheum movie and a, you know, I'm working with the Capitol in Burlington. The wheels are starting to turn. So we'll be hopefully pushing that news out closer to the beginning of the year, January or so. But I'd like to get the news out early, you know, so people have time to plan and something to look forward to. I know enough of the news to know that early in April, I have cleared my calendar for a couple of days. And that's always exciting to put some movies on that don't normally show in an area but i plan on going back to the last picture house i mean it was a beautiful theater they have a full bar they have a nice seating area they're gonna have rooftop i planted the seed i talked to both owners and one of the staff i said you need to bring joe bob briggs here and show some movies oh that's a great idea why didn't we think of that i'm like why didn't you and they're outdoor once the outdoor is done it'll have i think they said 50 maybe a little more seats on the rooftop with a little bar overlooking the Mississippi River. What a beautiful place to watch a movie. Yeah, I was going to say, just the picture you just painted is amazing. When I come um, in April, but I'm, once I get to that Illinois-Iowa border, I'm going to call an Uber. I want to come a day early or stay a day later or something and go, and go check that out. The sound's amazing. The lighting's beautiful. The seats are comfortable. I love that I had a whiskey. I don't drink much, but I was like, this is a special occasion. I'm going to have a whiskey. So I got it in a big rock tumbler. And that cup sit perfectly in the cup holder. So I was like, this this is great. Like, I can have a drink and go in the theater. And I can get popcorn or... Hold on, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Bump the brakes. You're judging your experience in this beautiful rooftop theater that you're explaining to me based off the fucking cup holder? Yes. Because most places don't have a big enough cup holder. Did you hear that sound when the cup hits? <laughs> slid into the cup holder? <laughs> the rooftop's not open yet because it's winter here. It's winter where you're at, too, but yeah. Yeah, there's no snow. It was 50-something yesterday. The cup holders do it for you, though. Yeah. Well, and it's nice because they go up and they go down. It's the little things in life that I'm going to be happy about. <laughs> Come on. I saw the most picture, depressing movie in the history of mankind. I picture there you with your cup just going, whoop, 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 with a slide. Finley sitting next to you with a slide whistle, whoop, whoop, and just raising the cup up and down. It's so nice. It was like a glass, an actual glass rock tumbler. So they're big in most places, you know, like in your car when you get like an oversized drink and you're like, where the fuck do I put this? Because it doesn't fit in any of these holders. <laughs> it just sat right down in there. I was like, whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good Lord. That's cool. I'm glad they have nice cup holders. Yeah, it was fun. Ran into some friends, made some new friends. I think if uh, I'm not busy next weekend, I might try to take Finley to see Godzilla again. Or they're doing a lot of, they showed The Grinch, and they showed um, The Muppet Christmas Carol. They're doing a lot of kids' movies and stuff. I'm excited. And it, they, I heard the story of why the place actually came to, to life, like why they built it. So it's Scott Beck and Brian Woods, the writers of A Quiet Place. They wrote and directed Haunt, and they've done you know other films. When Scott and his family moved back to Iowa from... LA. It was during COVID or maybe after COVID and Parasite. Yeah, I think it's a Japanese film. Is it Japanese? Maybe it's Korean. It's foreign. Yeah, maybe. And uh, it was getting all of its buzz like, check this movie out. It's great. And it was not showing anywhere in the Quad Cities. So Scott was like, why is it not? Like, what? this is a big enough size area. I mean, it's a couple hundred thousand people. Maybe it's only you know 120,000, but still a area that big is not showing parasite and they had to go to iowa city to film scene to see it which is about an hour away from the quad cities so they're like we need to build a place where we can show these kind of movies and then you know parasite got all that oscar buzz and so then it started showing places but that's why they wanted to build the theater and one of the first movies they showed that caught my eye was When Evil Lurks, which is on Shudder, but it's another foreign film. It's Spanish, but I hope they continue to bring stuff like that to the theater that's not getting an AMC or a Cinemark or that kind of release. 
because I'll go. It sounds to me like with their stellar state-of-the-art cup holders, they, I mean, they're going to get enough people and business coming in where they're just going to keep showing whatever they want. You would love, I said at the end of the bar, and above me to the left is an Italian Jaws poster, an original. Give me. Oh, look, to the right, there's a Sixth Sense, maybe, I don't even know what language that was in. Down the hall by the bathrooms is... A Wizard of Oz, a Shining. I mean, and they just keep changing them. But to my left is a Spanish from Spain, not from Mexico, from Spain, signed by Sam Raimi, Evil Dead poster. Nice. I'm just like, and they change them. They talked about, they're like, yeah, we're going to change them. They're they're from our personal collection. We're going to change them out over time. Um, but I was like, oh, I can just come here and look at the posters. One of the girls was like, it's weird. One of the persons sitting next to me was like, it's weird that all the posters are in foreign languages. And I was like, well, if you know anything about posters, foreign language posters tend to have better artwork than our, they just have better, more beautiful artwork than the American posters. And to a degree hold more value. Yeah, I think the I was on a website like looking up so I could match up the posters. And I think the Jaws poster was like 900 bucks on the cheap end. But yeah, you could go just look at the posters. I'm excited to go back and use those cup holders. <laughs> <laughs> so what about you? What have you been up to? Or what do you have coming up? I can't follow all of that. I sound so lame. So let's see. By the time this comes out, this comes out on Christmas Eve, I do believe. And... Um, so peak season at UPS is virtually over. I think my life can go back to a little bit more normal or as normal as my life is. Other than pushing forward with getting the old golden nugget opened up as psychotherapy and all the cool stuff we're doing there, just moving along with that. I'm going to be able to get a little more sleep right now. That's really about it. I mean, I got no conventions coming up. I'm going to be relaunching, I suppose. It might be a strong term, but just getting back into doing Spill the Guts. You know, like I, I sent a message to you, Brian, and I sent a message to Leah Stalker up here in Macabre, and I was like, hey, guys, you know, sorry I haven't been as involved, but um, there's just, I got some personal stuff going on, and then trying to get the nugget and stagecoach, you know, going and get keep that on track. And then the extra hours at UPS, it's just, it's a lot. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to part of all of that going away and just getting back into some normalcy. In the grand scheme of things, missing a month or two months or any of Spill the Guts, the progress you're making on the Nugget and what that will be eventually, hopefully, will trump Spill the Guts. Nothing against Spill the Guts, but I mean... No, I agree. What you're doing there is going to trump anything probably the podcast will ever do. Well, I don't, know, I don't know about that. It all ties in together. I kind of look at it all as a as, as on an equal planes, just different sides of the, the field or whatever, you know... No, I agree with what you're saying, and I, I appreciate the the support like that. I do just want to stress, though, that I do feel bad because, you know, our listeners are important to us. And we've actually, we always talk about community and stuff like that. And we've actually kind of created this community, which I hope continues to expand, of people that we have conversations with just randomly throughout the week who are listeners of the show and people who become friends and give us information. And um, I kind of feel like I'm letting some people down. So I hope everybody's cool and understands and just know I'm thinking about you. I love y'all. I'm coming back. So, or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe everybody's like, whew, you don't got to hear that fucking guy's voice three times a week, you know, plus all the other shit. This has been a nice break. Thanks for the Christmas gift, Clint. Yeah. Speaking of community, I got a message from one of our friends, Brent Edget, the other day. And he's like, hey, you need to have Brian Clark back on. I'd love to hear what you and him have to say about Godzilla minus one. Yeah. Cause Brent just went and saw Godzilla. Yeah. I saw that. I was like, you might want to send Clint a message. See what he says about uh, it. <laughs> that's why he didn't include my name. Because he knew I would just be like, fuck Godzilla and fuck whatever you're fucking talking about. <laughs> so, yeah, community. Out of the blue on a Tuesday or something, he just shoots me a Facebook message. I miss our convention, friends. It was kind of nice to go to the, the last picture house and see my buddy Garth and our old co-host Jason and or my old co-host Jocelyn Lewis and Justin Beam was there. And yeah, just a fun night to hang out with people and celebrate cinema. And I laughed so many times in my head because it was business casual, you know, and uh, all these people are kind of fancy looking. And I was like, most of these people probably enjoy movies. They probably would not watch a wrestling movie. 
if it wasn't for it being shown at the grand opening. Right. And somebody, one guy even said, he's like, well, I knew the ultimate warrior and I knew the macho man and Hogan, but I didn't know the Von Erickson. I was like, it's a pretty deep dive. Like they were not mainstream. They were, but they were down. That's when you still had, uh, well, you still sort of had territories. So you get down South and it's Von Erick country, baby. But I mean, you figure Kevin Von Erick didn't come to WWE, but it was WWF until about the time of the ultimate warrior and stuff, but he wasn't around for long. It was Kerry that Kerry Von Eric was the one that made it to WWF. Yeah, the one with the yeah Kevin was the oldest brother. But in the there was one guy. If you've not seen the movie and you don't know the story, spoiler alert. Skip the next thirty seconds. But there was a guy that said, "I didn't even know that Kerry had a fake leg," and I was like, "Neither did most people. Most I don't even know that anybody in WWE at the time knew because they wouldn't have hired him." So yeah, it was a big industry secret for the longest time that he had a fake leg. Oh, maybe I will watch it again. Damn it. The guy next to me cried like for the last half hour of the movie. I'm just like, it's sad. I mean, I cried a little bit, but not for the last half hour of the movie. He had also had like 12 beers. It just lined them up. I was like, Jesus Christ. He likes those cup holders too. (laughs) They wheeled out a full table full of special cup holders. Well, now that you've heard our horror news, why we're poor, we've talked about the movie Black Sabbath on the 60th feature length episode of I Like It's Spooky Horror Podcast. That's crazy. So this time next year, no, two years, we'll be at 100, a year and a half. What else? Horror history. I got off track because I was trying to do math in my head. It's too early. I need more coffee and dog food. I couldn't figure out if he was teary because of the sentimental part of this or (laughs) because his brain just locked up. I don't know. If you guys could see what I just saw, you'd be like, what the fuck just happened? What else? What we're up to, what we were up to, what we did in the past. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the I Like It Spooky Horror Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Listen for Spill the Guts returning soon what else indie horror new episode of that oh it'll be out by the time you hear this indie spotlight it is all horror but all horror all the time that could be our new tagline all the time except when clint takes a break appendages for your crack on red box streaming free that's a gift free there's your Christmas gift and mishmash for all your Michigan mitten monster happenings. We're a bunch of crazy fuckers. We don't have rooftop theaters with sleek cup holders, but we got a lot of cool shit going on in this state. Yeah, well, I'm in Illinois, so we don't have a demons in our capital. Well, other than the politicians, but yeah. <laughs> and have a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays and a Happy New Year. And whatever you celebrate, celebrate the hell out of it and take care. Bye bye. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us in 2023. We look forward to hanging out with you and more of your friends in 2024. Until next time. Hey, what's wrong with you, man? Show some fucking respect for the dead, will you?